and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Just all the things that won't be in heaven, in this new Jerusalem, this heaven coming to earth. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Welcome to In Grace. This is Jim Scudder. And today we're going to continue to answer your Bible questions. Our series is called Answers, and we're going to be dealing with a lot of questions that came in regarding the end times, Bible prophecy, uh, the tribulation. The first question is about Joel chapter 2 and some verses that the questioner is saying, is this referring to AI? And a lot of people are worried about artificial intelligence and should be. And so we're going to discuss that and see if that happens to be you know, a reference, a veiled reference to artificial intelligence in the Bible. Uh, somebody asked about heaven, the third heaven, the new Jerusalem. Uh, we have questions today about the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. These are all really, really good questions because it has to do with real events that are coming upon this earth. And the Bible has a lot to say about Bible prophecy about things that still haven't been fulfilled that I know for sure will be fulfilled. So stay tuned, and I think you'll be excited as we go through these things here on In Grace. Don't forget, In Grace has some really fun travel opportunities. We have two trips coming up. Both are to Israel. One is this February. Now, unfortunately, that's sold out already. We have over 120 people going. We have a waiting list. Uh, but you can still get on our next trip, which is a year from then. So it's February of 2025. You can go to our website, ingraceradio.com, and find out more information on how you can go to Israel with us here at InGrace. Question. In Joel chapter 2, is the locust army AI? AI, artificial intelligence. And you know what? As we read through these verses, I'm going to read you the first verse and then 4 through 8. You can read all of this at your leisure. But it is interesting, if you start to look at what we're developing for our armies, a lot of it will be autonomous. And now they have drones that Iran is moving drones in from Syria to try to kill Israelis, exploding drones. I mean, it's here. They've tried to assassinate world leaders with drones already. And now they have all these drones that can make, you know, pictures in the sky and words, and it's just unbelievable what's coming. And if you weaponize all of these things, it sounds frightening, doesn't it? You know, the science fiction people, and I'm not into all that. I can't get into it. I just don't get into it. But, you know, in the science fiction movies, you have these, these drones or artificial intelligence robots and stuff taking over, right? And I don't think that's far-fetched. I really don't. I think we're really, really in dangerous territory with all of this. But let's read Joel and see if we think this is AI. Joel 2.1 says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the Lord, the day of the Lord, cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Usually when you see the day of the Lord, it's talking about the final days of the earth, the day when Christ comes back. Uh, then skip down to verse 4. There's this uh, locust army, locust-like army that is coming upon the earth. And, and sometimes prophets predicted things that were going to happen in their day, but they would have a double fulfillment in the future, okay? So armies were coming against Jerusalem, 
And he was warning of that, but I, I do believe this warning is future because it said the day of the Lord. The appearance, verse four of them, is the appearance of horses, and as horsemen shall they run. Can you imagine the Bible written 2,000 years ago trying to describe modern things, you know? So they would probably use imagery or words that would convey things that people of that day would understand. But as horsemen shall they run, like the noise of chariots on the top of mountains shall they leap, uh, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained, all faces shall gather blackness, they shall run like mighty men, they shall climb the walls like men of war, they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. You know, you can almost sense a robotic army, can't you, as you read through this? Like, that nothing's going to stop them. They can run fast. They can climb straight up walls. They don't break ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. When they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. Okay, so all of this does sound like AI, but it's not. Sorry. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I don't think it is, which is the same as it's not, right? <laughs> Honestly, I'm just taking my best guess at it, okay? You know what this really sounds like to me? It sounds like, to me, the fifth trumpet judgment in Revelation chapter 9, okay? So Revelation 9, if you remember, one of the trumpet judgments, the fifth one, was a very similar, it actually calls it a locust army. It came out of the abyss. It came out of the bottomless pit. Their leader was Apollyon and Abaddon, the two different uh, Greek and Hebrew words for this underworldly leader that would come and rise up this kind of demonic-like army. If you remember, as we studied it, they could not hurt those that were marked of God, those that had been saved during the tribulation. God had given them a mark that no one else could see, but it protected them from this army. These creatures were small, but they had these horrible features uh, they would sting like a scorpion. And so those that wouldn't have the mark were stung by the scorpion. They wanted to die, but they had this excruciating pain for five months. It really matches this description in Joel, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. It says they were shaped like a horse. They had faces like men. They had hair like women. They had teeth like lions. I tell you, I'm glad I'm not going to be around for this invading horde of locust-like uh, army. So AI, I don't think so because it comes up from the bottomless pit. I think these are de demonic creatures that God allows to come and, and judge the world. Question, any hints to what the third heaven will be like in the eternal state since the new Jerusalem of God will be on the earth? We have, again, we already mentioned the rapture when the Christians are taken, then the seven-year tribulation, and then the second coming of Christ. And then we have Satan bound for a thousand years and a thousand year rule and reign called the kingdom reign or the millennium. Lamb and lion will lie down together. Peace and righteousness will reign. Jesus will reign on the throat of David. And then we have a final rebellion and then a white throne judgment. Those that did not receive the free gift of salvation cast into an eternal lake of fire. And then we have this eternal state of the new heaven and the new earth. So the question is, what is it going to be like? Well, I did a whole sermon about this, so I suggest that you go back and listen to that one near the end of my study of Armageddon's Dawn. But let me read you a couple of verses, and then I'll make a few more comments about what is heaven going to be like forever and ever and ever. 
Revelation 21 verse one says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And again, I don't believe that means there's no water because we know there's water coming out of the throne of God, a river. It'll probably break like uh, the river did out of the Garden Eden into four rivers. So I believe there's water. I just don't believe there's a sea of separation. Right now we have oceans separating continents. I think it'll go back to probably the way it was before the flood, before the continents separated. And there will be seas, but not a sea of division, oceans that divide continents and people. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is the eternal state. This is heaven. Heaven is coming to earth. Okay, this is really incredible. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Just all the things that won't be in heaven, in this new Jerusalem, this heaven coming to earth, neither shall there be any more pain. Say amen to that. For the former things are passed away. So we have... Heaven coming to earth, the Bible describes it in a lot more detail. It gives dimensions. It talks about it. So it talks about this large cube. If taken, um, translating the cubit into feet, I mean, this could be 1,500 miles square, you know, covering the size of North America. And then as high as that, I kind of actually think it's a cube number, so a lot smaller, but still huge, still massive. It would reach way up into the atmosphere. It talks about this uh, streets of gold. Wouldn't that be cool? to walk on streets of gold, a crystal clear river coming out of the throne of God, this tree of life on the banks of this river bearing 12 fruits, a different one for every month. Wouldn't that be amazing? And then the leaves for the healing of the nations. It also talks about 12 gates, so three on each side of the city. And the gates are made of one giant pearl and you'll be able to go in and out all the time because there's no, there's no evil in the world anymore. There's no gate to the gate. It's just an open opening into the city and each with the name of a tribe of, the, of Israel. It has 12 foundations to this city with the names of the 12 apostles. So all of this is right here in Revelation and it tells us a lot about it. It's garnished with man, all manner of precious stones. No night will be there. Jesus will be the light. This will be the home base of all of the believers in the church age. This will be your home. Now, I don't think you're going to be in this city all the time. Some of you love to travel. So you might not be in this new Jerusalem a lot. You're going to be out there exploring, not just the earth, but probably the universe. I don't know. But it's the eye hasn't seen or the ear heard the things that God has in store for them that love God. So it's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. We'll be bringing glory to God, worshiping God, learning of God. We'll be learning about God for eternity. And it's going to be incredible. But it'll be our home base. Those of you that love to stay home, your homebodies, you can stay home. Probably. Just stay home. Will there be animals in heaven? Probably. We see a lion and a lamb laying down in the millennium. I'm guessing that God has made these things for our enjoyment. Not cats, but dogs and and other creatures. (laughs) So you'll have all of that in heaven. I just think this third heaven is going to be incredible. It's not necessarily the third heaven. Uh, The third heaven is, uh, we call the first heaven the atmosphere, right? The second heaven is the stars, and the third heaven is where God's glory dwells now. That third heaven is coming to this earth in the new Jerusalem, and that will be for eternity. So it'll be great. 
Are you ready for an adventure like no other? Dive into a world of discovery within Grace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. Immerse yourself in the awe-inspiring beauty of the Grand Canyon and uncover the captivating evidence of Noah's Flood. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to InGrace. Simply call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Ken Ham and Ark of Noah, which explores the geological evidence that supports the Bible. For your gift of $100 or more, you can enjoy our entire Creation Series bundle, including eight sensational video series. Call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com. That's 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Again, that's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Question, can you explain Revelation twenty two fifteen? Why are these unbelievers outside the gates? I thought all unbelievers were in the lake of fire. So in Revelation 22, in verse 14, we're gonna be reading about, again, this new heaven and the new earth. Why is there a new earth? Uh, because we've messed it up. We had the final rebellion and uh, God has to recreate, I think, using the same elements the earth and also the heavens, the atmosphere and maybe the stars, I don't know. But that's why he has to recreate those and then heaven comes to earth. And it says in this city, in Revelation twenty-two fourteen, that blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. So when you initially read that, you're thinking, okay, you have the city, you have these gates, and you have all the redeemed inside. They can come inside and come outside. But on the outside, almost like you're thinking like at the gates wanting to come in but can't come in are these wicked people. But I thought in, by this time in Revelation 22 that we've already had the great white throne judgment and all of those people that are sinners that haven't been redeemed will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. And that's true. So what does this mean? I think this is really simple. It's not like these people are outside the gates. It's like these people can't come into the city. So where are they? They're in the eternal lake of fire. They're outside the city, not at the gates, but they're outside the city in the eternal lake of fire. So that, to me, that's a real simple understanding of it, and it's not hard and complicated to understand that. So again, sometimes we just imagine things into the text that aren't there, and I believe this is an instance where it's simple. Those who have not asked or received for God's cleansing, they will remain outside of the New Jerusalem in an eternal lake of fire. And that's a horrible thought. Question, if it is true that the seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bulls occur not in parallel order, but in chronological order, why is the sixth seal interpreted as the second coming of Jesus at the end of the seven-year tribulation period? So there's a couple ways to view the seven-year tribulation period. The view that we take on it is this is sequential. You have first the seven seal judgments, the seventh seal, actually the first trumpet, and then you have those, and the seventh trumpet's actually the uh, first vial or bowl judgment, and these are sequential. You have six, and then the seventh open up the next series, and so it's chronological, successive, or sequential. That's how I understand it, just because I'm reading through it. But there are some places that sound like, in the middle of these judgments, it sounds like the end, okay? In the, the instance this questioner asked, and it's called the parallel view, so 
their view would be you have the seal opens and then any other place, let's say the seal is an earthquake and any other of the trumpet or bowl judgments that contain earthquake, it's all the same judgment, okay? So instead of in sequential order, chronological order, these flow parallel from each other. Still seven-year tribulation, just a different way of looking at it. And again, we do see similarities, but I think the similarities are different enough. Um, and let me read the verses that they, that they asked about in Revelation 6, 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. And this is the uh, trumpet judgment, the sixth seal judgment. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell from the earth, even as the fig tree casteth her untimely figs. And when she has shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll, as it rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So this does sound like the very last part of Revelation, doesn't it? The second coming of Christ. But again, I view there's so many other places that there's differences, it's similarities, but differences that you have to, you, this can't be the same thing. For instance, the fourth trumpet judgment in a parallel view says the fourth trumpet judgment, the sun is darkened. Well, that must be also the fourth bowl judgment when the sun is intensified. Well, how could it be darkened and intensified? So I would say these are different, and it's actually getting worse. It's getting, the first judgments are bad, but people aren't listening, so God sends another series of judgments which are intensifying, and no one's listening, and there's some similarities, but they're different, and then the final judgments are incredibly intense. So that's how I see it, that's how I view it. Again, I'm not gonna argue over these types of things, but that's just uh, trying to answer that question. I think that the judgments are sequential and chronological. And then... I love this one. Our final question. In John 14, is the Lord giving a hint to the apostles about the rapture? And I will say absolutely yes. I love these verses. Are your hearts troubled at all today? Is there anything in your life that's causing you a concern, a worry? You say, yeah, everything, everything. And there's lots to worry about today. But remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is near the end. I mean, he's gonna die within a day. In, in John 14, he's in the upper room. Remember where he washes the disciples' feet? He gives the institution of the Lord's Supper. In that room, they had heard a lot of horrible things. Like one of them was gonna betray Jesus. How could that be? He had told them earlier that he was gonna die. How could that be? That Peter was gonna deny him. How could that be? That they would be persecuted. What? All this bad news, waves and waves of bad news. Sounds like our current day, right? And then Jesus says these words. Let not your heart be troubled. Man, it just kind of feels so good to hear that right now, right? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I truly believe that verse three is talking about the rapture. Let not your heart be troubled. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, not up there building your mansion, right? It doesn't say that. Some people say he's up there building your mansion. And like the more you do for God, the bigger your mansion's gonna be. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think if we're dreaming of a mansion, that's fine. But I think we should be dreaming of being with Jesus. Who cares the size of our abode, right? That's what heaven is. It's the relationship. It's the fulfillment of purpose. But in my Father's house are many mansions, plenty of space, plenty of room. 
uh, is what he is saying then. And I go to prepare a place for you. What is he talking about? I think he's going to the cross to prepare a way for us to go to heaven, to go to those mansions. And then he says, if I go, I will come again. So that's the rapture. Think of those three promises. Think of that. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is coming back. Let's serve him today faithfully. Let's long for his return. Let's serve the Lord with gladness. Let's tell others about the glorious gospel message. And then one day the Lord will return. We know he's coming back. We know he's coming back. So may we be faithful today. Let me just end with this. The Bible says that we're all sinners, that we cannot save ourselves. It says that God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world, you and me, every one of us, though we have sin. And this sin separates us from God who is holy. And he loves us, but we can't do anything about it. Let's say I stop sinning from today on. Let's just say it's possible. I will never sin again from today on. You need to live another 20 years and you never sin. You never lust. You never look at pornography. You never mistreat your children. You never uh, don't go and do something that God wants you to do. You never miss an opportunity to help someone. You just never, ever, ever, ever sin. You still have sin. Your sin still separates you from God. It's not about us doing better. We're already condemned. That's why Jesus came and was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made sin for us. He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our sins were paid for by Jesus on the cross. And when we believe in him, trust in him, not in our religion, not in our works, but we put our faith in him, the Bible says we're given something called everlasting life. That's what it says. You will not perish, that's hell, but have everlasting life. What do you have to do? Believe. Anybody, everybody. And so once you do that, the Bible says you are saved and you will be in heaven. And it'll be glorious, it'll be wonderful, it'll be something we should long for. And I hope that you've received by faith Jesus Christ. I hope that you're longing for heaven as we've tried to describe it a little bit and give you detail about what the Bible has to say about the end times, about heaven, about the new Jerusalem, heaven on earth. And I hope that you know for sure you're on your way there. If you still have questions about eternal life, about salvation, please contact us. The number is 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. My dad used to call it the unforgettable number. Why? Because now you can't forget it, 1-800-78-GRACE. And uh, you can also go to our website, ingraceradio.com. If you prefer to write to us, our mailing address is ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. And on our website, we've got so many great resources. We've got a whole page on short videos that you can watch about what we call it legacy, uh, making sure you know what wills, trusts, uh, healthcare power of attorneys are, uh, just a lot of things that we need to plan better to make sure that when we're with Christ, our lives continue to serve him here on this earth. Uh, we have lots of videos and messages that you can listen to on our website, ingraceradio.com. And then we are excited because tomorrow we're going to feature part three of Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure here on the radio. I would love for you to see it as well. If you would like to get the entire full-length four-part video adventure series, then uh, make a gift of any amount. It can be $10, whatever it is. We're going to thank you by sending you this powerful, awesome video. It's a rafting trip through the Grand Canyon showing how the layers of the Grand Canyon 
were laid down by a global flood, not by millions of years. And uh, you also get to see a deserving family, a really wonderful family, go through this adventure and tell their story of God's grace and miracles along the way. We also would like to give those of you that give us $35 or more, two more videos. One is a, the Ark of Noah, more than a story. The other one is a tour of Noah's Ark. So all three of these will be very helpful to you to understand the flood and how all the animals fit on the Ark. And then we have a creation bundle, eight of our most popular creation video adventures for your gift of $100 or more. So we'd love to hear from you today. Again, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Dive into a world of discovery with Ingrace's exclusive video series, Ellie's Grand Rafting Adventure. This incredible series is yours when you give any amount to Ingrace. When your gift is $35 or more, you'll also receive two more video series about Noah's Flood or get the entire eight-series creation bundle for $100. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on Ingrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. Ingrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.